welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Uh, today we'll be speaking to Glenn Goodman. Glenn uh, was associated with a BBC as a business journalist uh, whose uh, you know, trading hobby became so profitable that he was able to quit his day job. Uh, he's written the book called The Crypto Trader. The conversation with him was uh, freewheeling and we talked about journalism, his experience in the crypto world, uh, lots of fun. And uh, I hope uh, you know it is as fun and uh, insightful for you as it was for me. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Thank you so much for taking I'm out the time good. to talk to us. No, thanks very much for inviting me. I appreciate it. Wonderful. So could you uh, tell our listeners a little about your background? Because you've had quite a varied background. You started as a journalist, if I'm uh, not wrong. Yes, that's right. Um, in fact, even before that, I was working in uh, radio, TV for a while in the record industry as well. Wow. Um, in the sort of early-ish days of the internet, or not the early days of the internet, but in the days when um, <laughs> when companies were trying to get their heads around how to make the most of the internet. And I sort of got wow. involved with all of that kind of thing at a, a big record label. Uh, and yeah, then I became a journalist and a TV correspondent, a business uh, correspondent uh, for the BBC and for ITV News, which is the BBC's main competitor here in the UK. Yeah. Uh, and I worked yeah. for them for many years. And all the time I was trading, it started off as a hobby hmm. because I was into businessy things and internet-y things. So it just kind, <laughs> of, just kind of happened and I got into it like a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, I made some huge mistakes early on, lost my savings right at the beginning um, because this was during the dot-com boom and crash. I did oh. what all young idiots do, which <laughs> is dive right in with all your money. Think I'm going to yeah. be rich. I'm going to be rich. And then I messed it all up, of oh. course, because the, yeah. the, the, the market crashed, one of the biggest crashes of all time. And I was holding and holding on to my, you know, in the hope that things would go back up. And of course they didn't. Mm. Well, not for many years anyway. So, I lost my life savings, but that was a very valuable lesson for me because it taught me to take trading seriously. A lot of people, like friends of mine, were trading at the same time, but they just kind of gave up after that, whereas mm. I was determined to kind of learn a proper way of doing it. So I started reading tons of books, tons of articles, and just getting my head around it. And then some years later, when I was still a TV correspondent, I started earning more money trading in my spare time than I was mm. from my actual job. So that's when I started thinking about giving it all up um, and just trading full time. And so about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, that's what I decided to do. I quit my job, started trading full time. And, and it was only shortly after that that I got into cryptocurrencies and cryptocurrency trading, which has been the most rewarding and most kind of interesting type of trading that I've ever done. Wow. Okay. That's quite a journey. You know, the record label thing is, is very interesting. You must have quite had a lot of fun while you were working in the music industry, I'd imagine. Yeah, that was, that was quite fun. But at the same time, it was a bit frustrating because hmm. I was meeting a lot of pop stars and working with them and as, as part of my job. And... I was just a kind of a bit jealous of them, mm. <laughs> to be honest. I was just like, how they're, you know, they're the ones with the good life. I was just kind of like their assistant for the day. And it, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't enjoy that too much. I like being a TV reporter better because when you're a TV reporter and you go around doing stories, 
Um, everybody treats you like you're a really important person. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> kind of, everyone's like, oh, it's the TV reporter. So yeah. I don't know. I, in terms of self-esteem, I, I found that better than being in the record business. Right. Okay. So yeah, the light, light kind of shifted from you to them. And that, that was quite a dampener, I guess. Yes. TV <laughs> <laughs> yeah. reporting was great. I got mm-hmm. to interview, you know, loads of really interesting people. I interviewed um, our, our prime minister, uh, Boris Johnson, the British prime minister, um, and our previous prime ministers, David Cameron, Theresa May. I've interviewed... Wow. Lots of other, uh, lots of people, you know, in the in the entertainment industry, Leonardo DiCaprio, people like that. So, uh, so it was a great job. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But, um, after more than a decade of doing it, uh, it's, it it sounds kind of it sounds spoiled, I suppose, to say you get bored of it. But you you can get bored of any job when you when you yeah. have to go to work nine to five or nine to six or nine to seven. Actually, it was in the in TV reporting, it was like 10 hour days, which, which is okay, but every single day, and it's hard, hard work putting together TV yeah. reports. It's very stressful. You have to get everything done and ready by uh, the time the program goes on air, which for us was six o'clock every single evening. And, you know, it takes yeah. its toll on you. So Absolutely. It gets too monotonous, right? Yeah. Wow. You've got a bit of an invader there. Yeah, yeah, it's my dogs in the background. I think there is somebody outside, but now it's been taken care of. I've moved rooms. So, okay, you know, this sounds really um, exciting. So to say, but, you know, you uh, the, what is more exciting is how, you know, you took uh, the step to kind of switch careers when you realize that you're earning more while trading. That must have been yeah. a great move, right? Because uh, going from the security of a full-time job uh, to trading, I'm sure that you know that was not a popular decision that you made with your family. Yeah, yeah, my wife was, uh, was a little worried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'd sort of proved myself that I could make money trading over quite a few years by that point. So she wasn't too worried. But, but yeah, as you say, I mean, you know, I I had full time employment. I, hmm. I was on staff and had been for years. So it was quite a big move in that respect though at the same time i carried on doing a bit of freelancing uh, working for my old employers and and also presenting you know anchoring on some um 24-hour news channels right. uh, satellite news channels that kind of thing as well so i was doing like maybe one or two days a week where i'd still do some reporting and presenting for several years after that so i was kind of slowly easing myself out of germ i didn't just just quit completely yeah, go cold turkey and go straight <laughs> yeah. into full-time trading but it but it was mostly trading from that point on and then um, yeah for about the last sort of three or four years i've done no tv reporting at all i managed to wean myself off it altogether wow. and just and I, I don't know you know i don't know i quite i have to say maybe i shouldn't have done that <laughs> <because> <laughs> i quite like the social aspect you know i miss okay. that i miss the being in an, me, the camaraderie with other with other reporters and and just the chatting and the fun and you know obviously i still chat to my friends during the day on whatsapp or whatever but it's, it's not, not the, the same, same. yeah in the exactly. house on your own you know yeah yeah it's not the same I, I i would agree you know when you uh sort of embark on these uh so to say unconventional parts of uh you know kind of you know when your professional life takes that path it, it does become a little solitary even for 
you know, now you would be, you, you are an entrepreneur in, in your own right. And self-employment can be a lonely path. Uh, but but I think uh, the rewards are there, so you have it's it's more of a conscious choice, right? Yeah, I just I suppose I I I wish I hadn't uh, stopped it altogether. It would just, I tell you what, it was just nice to have even one day a week where I was going out and doing something different. Um, and so you know, I'm now open to to possibilities. If somebody says to me, "Oh, we'd like you to be." a TV reporter here one day a week, or not even TV reporting, just just anything that's not in my house would be quite right. good. Right, okay, cool. But, so now, you know, it's a minor complaint, all right? Yeah. It's a minor complaint. I've got <laughs> yeah. my family, I've got my wife, I've got two children, wow. you know, so it's not like I don't speak to anybody. It's fine. I'm just, I'm just moaning. I don't know. <laughs> that's okay. I think this year has made a morning completely acceptable for everybody. So it's absolutely yeah. fine. Yeah. So, okay. Um, now talking about, you know, getting into crypto, your uh, book is called Crypto Trader, right? And uh, it's, it's doing, yeah. uh, it's, it's done really well. And you also have like a, a Facebook community around it, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. Uh, well, actually the Facebook community came before the book. Okay. Um, it was around about, it was uh, 2016, 2017 when cryptocurrencies were really taking off or Bitcoin was really taking off in people's imaginations. Everybody mm. knew about it. You know, everyone in the world, even my wife's mother was asking me about cryptocurrencies <laughs> and she, she can't even use a computer. Even now she can't use a computer, but she was still asking me about how to buy Bitcoin. Right. So that was kind of when I realized it was truly, truly, truly mainstream. And I had this uh, Facebook page, The Shares Guy, where, as the name implies, I was originally talking about shares, hmm. uh, stocks and shares. And then um, I, the more I talked about cryptocurrencies, the more people were interested. So I kind of pivoted more to that, even right. though I was happy to talk about both. I still am, really. I trade, I trade everything. I trade stocks and shares. I trade futures, currencies, uh, you know, commodities. And, and cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies is my main thing now, though, these days. And uh, so I built up that big Facebook community by making videos about trading cryptocurrencies, uh, talking about my strategies and so on, not, not tipping cryptocurrencies or anything like that. I don't do mm. that kind of thing. I just kind of um, explain my own process. I don't tell people what to do or what to buy or that kind of thing. But, you know, people can learn a lot by watching the process of someone who's been doing it for a long time. And so then I was asked to, (laughs) yeah. And and when I was asked by a publishing company, uh, if I would write a book about that, particularly because they'd heard about how um, I, I warned my followers at the top of the boom at the end of 2017, when Bitcoin Mm. hit its peak, I saw some signs just again from my own experience of having, you know, particularly of the dot-com crash. I recognized the signs of, of uh, when, when we're reaching a kind of crescendo, Mm. like the peak of a market. And so I warned all my followers and that warning coincided with, you know, pretty much the very top of the market. And I started selling my Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies towards the end of 2017 and um, and so I avoided what what most people suffered, which was watching the value of their cryptos fall between eighty and ninety percent right. in most cases. Yeah. Which is, you know, even if you've made big profits before that, and of course the profits were huge in 2016, 2017, it's still pretty painful Very. for people to lose eighty. <laughs> 
100%. So I avoided that. And the publishers asked me to write a book about not just my experiences, but about my techniques, my strategies, how I do it and how I avoid the losses, but make the profits. And, um, and so that was the crypto trader, which came out last year. Wow, wonderful. Okay, so that's, that's quite a journey. You know, you've written a book about uh, the techniques and the experiences for people to learn from. But what is your outlook now towards the crypto market? Like, uh, what do you think currently, uh, what is happening? Do you think, uh, you know, Bitcoin has uh, seen its peak? Or uh, what is your outlook? Well, like all markets, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies have bull and bear markets and, right. and sideways markets. That's, right. Those are the only three <laughs> types of market. And, you know, it's no different. That's the thing. Yeah, it had a big peak and it had a, a big collapse, mm. uh, like markets always do. Yeah. Um, and then you have the boring sideways bit, which we've had a lot of for the past couple of years, where you just kind of, you have to, as a trader, you have to try hard not to trade too much. Because that's how you can lose, your money can kind of uh, be frittered away slowly but surely by trading a lot during a market where the price is just moving sideways or just sort of going up a bit, going down a bit, going up a bit. You know, a lot of people will keep, every time it goes up a bit, they'll be like, oh, it's recovering, I'm going to buy. And then it goes back down a bit. And it, you know, it goes sideways like that in a sort of zigzag shape for it can happen like that for years and that's Mm. what we've had in cryptocurrencies for a couple of years now but the signs are now good um the market has shown uh technical signs Uh, you know i do chart analysis technical analysis it's showing good signs of starting to enter a recover a proper recovery phase now Mm. i would be hesitant to call it a bull market i don't think we're quite there yet it's not like the new bull market but I think the best sign that I've seen is that not just, not Bitcoin itself, which is doing okay and recovering slowly, but a lot of the other cryptocurrencies, the smaller ones right. that suffered massive, massive declines over the past couple of years, a lot of them are now starting to recover. And I've been buying uh, some of those because I can see them entering bull markets even before Bitcoin is entering a bull market. So the, the, the early signs are actually coming from these little known cryptos, the ones that people don't talk about as much. Right. Yeah, that's, that's actually very true. So, you know, because now you've kind of uh, touched upon it, there is a lot of noise regarding a lot of uh, DeFi projects these days, right? What is your take on that? Mm. Is there any project in particular that, you know, you're eyeing and you see a lot of potential in? I like, I mean, I like the the most well-known names like Compound and so on because, um, well, because they actually have something to them. The problem with DeFi, as as I'm sure you know, is that there are more and more projects uh, growing all the time Mm. uh, or or just sprouting up. You know, every week there are new projects and a lot of them have got very, or so I'm told, very dodgy code. Um, which which can, you know, suck people in. And already we've had that sushi uh, uh, collapse there, or not collapse, but, you know, the the problems with sushi and a lot of people lost money there. And and so, you know, I am sceptical of a lot of the newer ones, but the big ones that are already kind of out there and and doing quite well. I respect them. And I also respect the technology behind it. I respect the idea behind it. It's just the very, very beginning of a completely new way to borrow and lend money. Um, mm. 
which is fantastic because the world has needed this for quite a long time. It's still not quite at a place where, well, it's in fact, it's nowhere near a place where ordinary people can understand it and access it and use it. Yeah. It's still much too complicated, I think, for that and not user-friendly enough. But, mm. you know, this is the experimentation phase. Uh, this is just the early days. So it's very exciting to see what they're doing there in that space and uh, and as I say yeah some of them are doing very well and and I like it okay so uh, you know that is actually what you said is very true I think you know the, on the user interface side we really need to work very hard to for mass adoption because uh, unless people really start uh, seeing that you know their problems are being solved in any way uh, they will not really change the way they are or where they are parking their money uh, so uh, I, I completely agree with you on that one. So, you know, apart from DeFi, um, you know, non-fungible tokens or uh, Nifty as they're called, uh, they are making a lot of noise these days as well. What is your outlook towards, uh, you know, these non-fungible tokens? We're sorry, you cut out slightly there. Which, which thing are you talking about? I'm talking about non-fungible tokens. So, you know, Nifties, as they are called, they, they are also, oh, right. yeah, they're, they're making, there's a lot of noise around them as well these days. So uh, what, 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 you know, what is your outlook towards that? Because some people are really, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're foo-fooing the entire uh, noise around Nifties, but I'd like your perspective as well. Well, I mean, I haven't, done too much in terms of trading with non-fungible tokens um mm. let's think what what have i got to say that's useful about those i mean all right so they're they're not mutually interchangeable obviously um <laughs> i don't know what to say about them from a kind of uh, from a trading perspective because i'm a trader right. and um I mean, give me an example of one that so, you want so, me to okay. talk so, about. So, so is if there if there are some, you know, if if would you as a trader perhaps uh, look into trading, uh, you know, or looking into investing in some sort of non fungible tokens, like if that that I think would be a good way to start. I mean, I would be interested certainly. Mm -hmm. I mean, Crypto Kitties was something that obviously started the whole thing and was very exciting at the time, right. and uh, and I wrote yeah. about it in my book as well because yeah. it was it was it was just an interesting concept, and it still is an interesting concept that could go a long way in the future. But so far, I have to say, I feel like non-fungible tokens have not fulfilled much of the potential that was promised of them a few years back. Yeah. I mean, CryptoKitties is, is old now. Yeah. It's a few years old. And, yeah. and it's still kind of the main name that everybody associates with, with uh, Nifties, which yeah. kind of, kind of, unless I'm missing something. I mean, I, as you could probably tell, I'm not like massively clued up on that area. So I don't, I mean, you tell me, have I missed something really important happening in that area since? No, not exactly. But you know, nowadays there is a lot about uh, NFTs that are uh, more towards digital artwork, and uh, people, you know, that is why there is there is some noise around it. And um, NFTs were not something that I was also looking at seriously, but because you know I have been asked this, so I'm asking people if they, you know, I am missing something uh, because I I don't seem to understand uh, the sudden interest as well because I I don't personally see any other project that is. Um, doing very well, as you said, that the pool potential has perhaps not been, uh, you know, kind of released until now. 
So I, I think we are on the same sub, you know, same uh, boat regarding these uh, nifties, so to say. But yeah, there was a little noise I think recently about digital artwork and you know uh, how NFTs uh, kind of the economy is has been growing apparently. So there are uh, some, you know, I saw some numbers. I think it was one million dollars uh, or, or something that. Uh, were blocked there or some purchase was made i think so that kind of has brought it back into the forum uh, but uh, yeah I, I i don't see any uh, you know project which is uh, kind of doing this right quite like you I as guess you said it's one yeah. of those things well I, I suppose it's one of those things where it could just suddenly happen because because um nifties allow you to you know make tokens that can become collectible like crypto yeah. kitties yeah then all it would really take is for something to just capture the public imagination uh and then suddenly it could become the biggest thing in the world you know it could be the new uh, i don't know if you know the game roblox for example that my kids play is like massively popular um game uh, okay. that largely involves collecting things on you know you play it on a on an ipad or okay. you know a tablet device uh, or you can play it on phone you know it's just one of those kind of kids games a bit like minecraft but it, it often involves um it has lots of sub games within it and a lot of them involve collecting things collecting things called uh neon unicorns and things right. i mean they're just pieces of little little pieces of artwork like little uh, pretend animals and that kind of thing, okay. digital animals. Right. Uh, but the point is, it's become massively, massively popular throughout yeah. the world, kind of like Pokemon, I suppose, like just like massive. So, you know, there is obviously the potential there with Nifties that one of them will just take off in a massive way and suddenly a billion children will be <laughs> using it all the time. And then, and then, you know, and then we'll be embarrassed that we sat here on our podcast going, yeah, there's not much going on in nifties. Yeah, there? that's true. You know, we, we <laughs> you know might... <laughs> it could just suddenly happen. <laughs> yeah, it that's... might not, of course, but it's worth keeping an eye on for that. Absolutely. For that reason, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, now that I'm looking it up, I think, the, you know, apart from artwork, apparently uh, there are something known as, th you know, photographs. I think thirst traps are also exploding on NFT platforms, apparently. And that is what is kind of creating that boom because a lot of artwork, which is... Uh, probably not safe for work is going out for uh, like a, a lot of money. Uh, so I think that is also created some noise around it. But then again, this is not really referring to a particular project. They're just talking about artwork that is going on and uh, what they are trying to do perhaps with nifties rather than fiat. So, um, yeah, so, okay, you know, you, uh, we should though keep an eye on it. I think, as you said, uh, this can become big potentially. So uh, now yeah. to my, you know, uh, next uh, question are, uh, are there any particular books that you would recommend for people apart from your very own, uh, who are trying to perhaps uh, get into this space and understand more about it? Well, I mean, it's a shame that he doesn't have a book, but Vitalik Buterin is probably the person I respect the most in, in the crypto space right. because he's just so clever. Really? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just, he's just so intelligent. I just, you know, every time he opens his mouth, something brilliant comes out of it. So I love listening to him. So there's no books there, but I would certainly follow him on Twitter if uh, for anybody who doesn't. In terms of books, um, Chris Boniski's uh, book, Crypto Assets. Uh, have mm. you read that one? I, I yeah, I mean not. that. All right. Well, I found it a really interesting read. Um, it's a little bit out of date now because, of course, things move so fast. Uh, right. But 
it's still a really, really useful introduction to the kind of, particularly uh, to the classification of cryptocurrencies, you know, security tokens and utility tokens and all of that kind of thing. For anybody who's not familiar with the, with, with the area, it's a really, really useful introduction. And it also goes into quite a lot of detail about attempt, uh, different attempts to uh, value cryptocurrencies, to find ways to value them for, for trading purposes, which obviously I found very useful. Mm. And, uh, and some of the stuff he talked about in that book. Um, you'll also find in my book, and you know, I go into even more detail in terms of trying to trying to value them, uh, which is really difficult because, of course, cryptocurrencies don't have profits and revenues um, with which to value them in the way that you would value stocks and shares. Yeah, uh, which is part of the reason why I put so much emphasis on uh, technical analysis and charting when it comes to cryptos, because because you don't have those fundamentals, those profits and those revenues to kind of uh, sit underneath right. um, the value of a cryptocurrency for that for that reason you need to take very seriously which way the chart is heading because any crypto can become extremely popular it's all about popular perception you know yeah. a, a crypto can become very very popular with people or it can go to practically zero if people yeah. lose interest in it that's true. That's absolutely true. Okay. Uh, so now my second to last question is, uh, you know, tell us a little about your portfolio. What, what are you currently holding? If you're, if it is okay to discuss, uh, like what, yeah. how, what kind of, what amount of stock, like in percentage do you keep and what, how much of your net value perhaps is in crypto? And if there is any particular, uh, you know, token that you're really, really uh, bullish about. Well, at this point in time, not too much of my net value is in, cryptocurrencies um though that obviously may change if we enter a strong if we enter a proper bull market in cryptos then i'm sure i will be putting a lot more of my money into them as i did in uh, 2016 2017 uh, at the moment though i have opened a number of trades uh, just in the past week or so actually week or two that i'm hoping might come to something uh, theta uh, mm. For example, and Waves, uh, and also Monero as well, yeah. XMR, uh, and Maker, which you'll know about, I'm yeah. sure, and, and a few others as well, um, Cardano, Cardano again, yeah. but, but I don't know, that trade's just sort of hasn't made me any money so far, it's been <laughs> sort of about zero, <laughs> but let's have a look. Uh, I haven't made a loss on it though, which is good. But I don't know. I'm, I'm, as I say, I've opened trades in some that look like they are entering proper bull markets. Hmm. The ones I just mentioned generally right. have real kind of long-term bull market potential, as far as I'm concerned. Now, you know, for anybody who reads my book, they'll know that that doesn't mean that I just buy them and just hold on to them willy-nilly. I don't just hold on and hope. I don't yeah. hodl. <laughs> I, I'm really against hodling. I think is that's that's what made everybody lose their money in 2018. They were all hodling. Yeah. Um, you don't want to hodl. You want to follow the trends, sure. But then if it turns out that you're wrong and the thing is not actually in long-term uptrend or a long-term bull market, then you've got to get out. And that's I always use stop losses in my trading to yeah. get myself out of trades that start to lose money. Um, I'm very strict about that. And I think you'll, if you interview other traders, you would find that most successful traders are very strict about getting out of trades that start to lose money. 
So mm. I never have big losses anymore like the ones I had in the dot-com crash. No big losses, just little losses. And yeah. little losses don't really matter. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, some of my trades do really well and I make lots of money on them. And some of them don't do well, but I get out quickly so I don't lose money on them. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's the way to make money in the long term, whether you're doing cryptos, stocks and shares, commodities, anything. That's kind of probably the main, the main lesson that... Um, that people need to learn when they're learning to trade is to get out of losing trades quickly because that way it's it's much harder to lose in the long term much harder yeah. to lose that's true you know i i think a good trader should be uh you know a little removed from uh his or her emotions per se because you know you need to be a little more rational as you said you know you have to go with the trend rather than thinking that okay you'll just huddle or you'll just keep uh sticking to one project that you found promise in initially phase. So uh, that's actually very good yes. advice. Yeah. So people get um, very emotionally attached to a particular yeah. cryptocurrency and that, and so they hold on for dear life because, because that's what you do when you mm. love something and you think it's definitely going to, you know, you see all the people on Twitter that, who think that Bitcoin or, or any other coin is going to go to the moon and it's definitely yeah. going to become the biggest thing ever. But there is no definitely in this world. I mean, you know, four years ago, everybody was saying Donald Trump was definitely not going to win the US election. <laughs> yeah. And he still yeah. won it. You know, yeah. unexpected things happen all the time. And, and in cryptocurrencies, it's still such a new area even yeah. with Bitcoin being as famous as it is, you can't just assume it's going to become the biggest or stay the biggest coin forever. You know, there are better technologies out there, in my opinion, than Bitcoin. Uh, they're much less famous, so they're finding it hard to kind of break through and become uh, successful cryptos in the way that Bitcoin is. But like, again, I, I, I list in my book a whole load of massive companies, the biggest companies in the world that went out of business because nobody ever thought they could because you know names like i'm thinking of companies like kodak or xerox or you know like these massive massive brand names that people thought would be safe forever because they were so yeah. well respected and then and then within you know a matter of a couple of years they go from the biggest in the world to like practically nothing yeah yeah it happens Nothing is permanent. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's actually very sound advice. So now coming to, uh, you know, the very last question of the segment, I, I'd, I'd love to know uh, what advice would you give uh, to somebody who's perhaps just starting out as a trader? I think the main advice I would give is to take it slowly. Don't mm -hmm. jump in with all your money or even a large chunk of your money very quickly, because like I said, when me and my friends were all putting money in the dot-com boom um, and then we lost our savings, which wasn't that much, you know, because we were young, but it was, um, it seemed a lot at the time. And all my friends were so emotionally scarred by that that they just <laughs> never traded again. That was it for them, the end. Yeah. Um, not only did they have to build themselves back up financially, but they had to build themselves back up emotionally. And the reality is when you start trading from day one, you are up against some of the most experienced and cleverest people in the world. It's like starting to play tennis and on your first day playing tennis, you play against Serena Williams. Wow. You know, it's, it's hard at the yeah. beginning and you probably will lose money. Even if you have a bit of beginner's luck and you do really well initially, you'll get overconfident and then, then you'll make massive mistakes and lose loads of money. So you just gotta, you really gotta be humble and not mm. think you're a genius straight away. You've got to take it slowly and, and learn and 
and read a lot of uh, books and and articles and and just slowly build yourself up yeah that's very sound advice be open to learning and you know just just be humble i think that is something that a lot of us tend to forget uh because you know uh, it, it's usually young people who come into the foray and uh, they become a little overconfident when they get as you said beginner's luck so this is really great advice uh, wow thank you so much glen uh, for taking up the time to speak to me uh, this this episode that's has been problem. so much fun to record and uh, i'm i'm going to you know uh, put in the link for um, your book which is uh, it's, is it just available on amazon or is it available on other platforms as well uh, it's available in bookshops all over the world like so so you know in physical real bookshops but also on lots of different um lots of different selling platforms i don't know what they're all called <laughs> you know <laughs> bonds and noble or whatever i don't know all the different bookshops but um yeah, the only one whose name I can remember is Amazon. So okay, cool. It's definitely I'll on Amazon. It <laughs> yeah. Where I, yeah, exactly. It depends what part of the world people are in. You know, you'll find you, whatever online bookstore is the popular one usually stocks it in every country anyway. Brilliant. So I'm going to link it up. And uh, thank you so much once again. Any any parting thoughts? Parting thoughts? Um, I would tell people don't be downhearted about the way that cryptocurrencies have... Uh, you know, languished price-wise for the past few years. It's perfectly natural and perfectly normal after such a big run-up as we had in 2016-17. It's then perfectly normal to have a few years, uh, or even more than a few years sometimes, of prices just going nowhere uh, mm. before things pick up again. It happens in every single market. So it, it doesn't worry me. It's just, it's just been a bit boring. <laughs> that's <all. laughs> yeah that's true that is true but you know this is this is really good uh some hope for our listeners thank you so much glenn for taking out the time it has been absolutely lovely talking to you i've very much enjoyed it thanks 